0: You're listening to the Sunday podcast from LifePoint Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. Hi, right, good morning. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Chad, and uh, my normal job is as uh, the high school youth pastor. I'm not the only one, there's two of us. Um, So, uh, the good news is today's message is on a, on, a, on a verse of the Bible that is pretty significant. It's, it's a lot of theology in it, and Nathan left you in my hands. So, um, in preparation for this message, and I tell you what, if, if you ever want to appreciate what our pastor has to do week after week after week after week after week after week is come up with an amazingly inspired, God-led, Holy Spirit-filled message, that is hard work. So um, in my preparation for this, uh, I was reminded of a story about a sheriff from here in Arizona who had gone into Mexico to uh, pursue a notorious bank robber who was plaguing Arizona. So this, the, the way it goes, this rather large sheriff hoists himself up, and he, and he goes down to Mexico to look for a man named Jose Rivera. Now, the sheriff was in Mexico going from village to village and town to town, and he happened upon a little bar. He goes into the bar and says to the bartender, I hear, this is where Jose Rivera likes to drink. The bartender looks at him and says, you see that man there? That's Jose Rivera, the man you are searching for. But let me warn you, he doesn't speak English. The sheriff says, Well, obviously you do, so why don't you come over here and interpret for me? So he walks over, him, him and the bartender walk over and say, Are you Jose Rivera? The interpreter says to him, Eres Jose Rivera? And he says, Si, sí, ¿qué tal? The interpreter turns back to the sheriff and says, he says, yes, he's Jose Rivera. What of it? Sheriff says to the bartender, you tell him I came here from Arizona and I need all the money back. I know it's him that's been robbing the banks and I need all the, every penny. I need it back right now, today. Show me where it is. Tell me where it is. Or you tell him I'm going to shoot him dead. Bartender looks at Jose Rivera and says, el Caballero, saber dónde está el dinero? Oh, te y te matara. Jose Rivera, scared, looks back to the bartender and says, in Spanish, Okay, you tell him to go out of this bar, go to the left, walk about 100 yards, and you'll come to a big tree. Next to that tree is a well. From the tree to the well, walk about halfway. Dig a hole five feet by three feet. In that hole, you'll find a concrete encasement. Inside that concrete encasement, you'll find all the bags of money right where I left them. You tell him to go get that money, take it wherever he wants it, and leave me alone. So the bartender turns to the sheriff and says, Jose Rivera says, Jose Rivera says, go ahead and shoot. <laughs> you see, I tell that, uh, and I stole it from Robbie Zacharias, the, the, the awesome Robbie Zacharias. Uh, because just like the bartender, us, the American church and the Corinthians, like to take the truth and change it to however it suits us. And if it doesn't suit us, eh, it doesn't matter, right? So this morning, we're going to wrap up uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And uh, I'm going to, this, this ends the series, and Pastor Rick's going to take over next week uh, with something different. But, but why, why let's, let's recap where we are so far. Why did Paul write this letter to the Corinthians in the first place? So Nathan has walked you through. Um, that that Paul got message from the church in Corinth where he spent a lot of time, that things were going awry. He the, the the things that he taught them, the message that he gave them have gone, gotten a little distorted. So up to this point, Paul's letter, the, the first letter of Corinthians, follows the same way most of Paul's letters go, and he he has a salutation, then a thanksgiving, then the main body of the letter, and then he wraps it up with a farewell. If you remember back to to chapters 1 through 4, Paul's talking about the divisions in the church. Remember who is Apollos, who is Paul, who is Peter. Remember that part? And then he goes into chapters 5 through 7. He talks about sexual purity. Very, very important. And then in 8 through 10, he brings up food. You know, don't worry about what you eat. If you're in the presence of, of, don't worry about it. It's okay. You just eat it. That's music to my ears. Um, so, and then he and then finally uh, he talks about the gatherings in chapter eleven through fourteen about using our gifts—the gift of prophecy and tongues and preaching. Use those gifts to build up the body of the church, not individuals. Chapter fifteen is where we're going to spend most of our time today, so I'll come back to that. Uh, but in chapter sixteen, we're going to jump ahead. Is when Paul wraps it up with his farewell, and. Uh, he tells the, 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 the Christians in, in Corinth, uh, love each other, be kind, save up your givings. I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna pick those up from you. We're gonna take them to Jerusalem. You can appoint somebody in, in your church to go with me on an all expense paid vacation to Jerusalem, right? Because uh, so that you don't have to, you can trust that I'm not gonna do anything with this money that I shouldn't do, right? So he's saying, you appoint somebody, I'll take them with me. He admonishes them to persevere in love. Submit to good leaders. And then in 16, he ends it by laying out his travel plans and and praying for the church in Corinth. Pretty simple. Let's back up to 15, though. Chapter 15 is the most important chapter in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. There's actually a theologian. Yeah, I'm going to go there. A theologian named Wolfhard Pannenberg who has said in his book, Jesus, God, and Man, that Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, is more important than the Gospels themselves. And Nathan wanted me to, anyway, um, so (laughs) so there's two parts we're going to dig in. Uh, The first part is is talking about the resurrection, and the second part is resurrection bodies. Well, this isn't Easter, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time uh, talking about the actual uh, events of the resurrection or building up to the resurrection. Instead, because those of you who have taken any of my classes at LifePoint University, um, I almost said Liberty, which is where I go to school. But anyway, LifePoint University, you know uh, that I like to lecture. So I hope you're comfortable. We're in the band. We've already worked it out. It's going to be about 90 minutes. I mean, it's, it's a lecture, right? I mean, Blake's good with it, right? So um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Nathan specifically said, professor, don't do that. Um, so instead, uh, we're going to talk about three things. We're going to break down um, the first letter to, uh, to Corinthians in chapter 15 into three parts. First, why is Paul writing this particular section of the letter? We've, we know why he wrote the entire letter, but why did he include this piece? What, what triggered it? What, what were the Christian Corinthians doing right? Or in most cases, what were they doing wrong? Um, the second point is we're going to unpack how Paul reminds them of his teaching on the resurrection. It's not new. He's reminding them. And he's going to show them and us the folly of their way in thinking that the, the Jesus' his resurrection is insignificant. It's no big deal and finally we'll wrap up and, and and Paul is going to tell them and we're going to talk a little bit about what's in it for me. Right? Cuz I mean, first and second Corinthians, let's be honest, it could be called first and second Americans because it's a whole lot like the American church, right? And and as American, you know, what's in it for me? And so Paul knows that he knows these people. He's going to say, "Look, I'm going to tell you what what's in it, why the resurrection is so important for you." See, the resurrection, without the resurrection of Christ, there is no Christianity. You know, we we talk about it on Easter a whole lot, and then it seems like with the rest of the, the time of the year, you know, Christmas is coming up, he's born great, and he had to be born of a virgin. He had to die the way he died. He had to have suffered. He had to have bled on the cross. Because God, we have to have as much faith in God's love and grace we have to have just as much faith in his justice and his wrath. We do. And because of our faith in his justice and wrath, God says, you guys can't handle it. You can't. He could have left us to our own, our own judgment. He could have. But he knows us. So Christ's work on the cross is unbelievably important. The atonement, his blood sacrifice is where our salvation comes from. But if it wasn't for the resurrection, Christianity doesn't exist. The disciples, when Jesus died, were beside themselves. What do we do now? He's dead. He's dead. I guess we're done. What? They were lost. And then Paul tells them, no, remember what happened. So we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verses 1 through 11. Uh, I'll spare you uh, the entire. We're not going to read all 58 verses, but um, we're going to read a lot of it. All right, so 1 Corinthians 15, 1, 11. Open your phones, your Bibles. Uh, there should be one underneath the seat in front of you or behind you if you need one. If you don't have a Bible, uh, that is our gift to you. Go ahead and take it with you. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you. Which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas and the Twelve, and then to 500 at the same time. Most of them are still alive. Some have died, but most of them are still alive. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of these apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me is not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believed. Our first point, why is Paul writing in this particular section about the resurrection to the Corinthians? In the first few, views, few verses there, uh, and if you keep reading on, Paul is going to recap the resurrection. What happened? He's going to talk about it. He's going to explain it. And again, this is not new information for the Corinthian church. This is, he's reminding them. Because what had happened is, and a lot of times this happens to the American church too, they heard Paul teach, they heard Paul preach, and then they went like this. They went right back to the Greco-Roman beliefs, the mythology, the philosophy. And and understand, it it wasn't for them. They were saying, what's the big deal? We're still talking about an afterlife. We're still talking about eternity. Because the Greco-Roman tradition and Greek philosophy said, sure, there's an afterlife. They called it a permanent existence in the underworld. So what the Greeks were talking about was, was a spiritual permanence. That their spirits would go on forever. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Your body, you will be resurrected from the dead. And that is so vitally important. Picking up in verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are the most to be pitied. This brings us to the second point. Paul is, is reminding the Christians in Corinth about the significance of the resurrection and the real challenges, the real problems with their flawed thinking and overlooking it and saying, yeah, well, we still, we're still talking about eternity. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then we won't be raised. Our teaching is in vain. Our faith is in vain. What Paul is saying to us today, if Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, me standing up here talking to you right now is absolutely pointless. You listening to me, pointless. Reading your Bible, pointless. Doing good works in his name, pointless. Coming here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to hear Nathan preach, pointless. It's all pointless. It's all done in vain. There's no reason for it. If Christ was not resurrected from the dead, he doesn't say if he didn't die on the cross. He says if he wasn't resurrected from the dead. Because which one's the bigger miracle to believe in? That a man was killed on a cross or that he came back to life? Right? I, we, we don't need faith to, have, uh, to know that a man died on a cross. There's plenty of history in, out there to say, yeah, he was there, Jesus of Nazareth, real person. He really died. The Romans really did this. Right? Plenty of it. So the skeptics can be happy. They can, you know, yep, it happened. But the resurrection, that's completely different. And Paul knows this. More importantly, not only is Paul saying that it's important If we're not teaching and preaching about Jesus' resurrection as the truth, verse 15, in this case, we are misrepresenting God himself. There's another word for misrepresentation. It's called lying. (laughs) Paul is saying if we're not out there preaching the truth, regardless of what we feel or what we think, the truth We're lying about God. See, at this point, Paul knows that in the Old Testament, Jesus' life and death was foretold over more than 30 times. Right? We know the, the prophets, Isaiah 53. In the Jewish church, this is known as the forbidden or the hidden verse because it lays out Christ almost to a T 700 years before he even took his first breath. David, the psalmist, writes a millennium before Christ is born. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. David has faith that God can rescue him from death. 700 years, a millennia, almost a millennia, before Christ takes his first breath here on earth. Paul is saying, you know the truth. You've known it for a long time. I told you it. And if you're not going to preach and teach the truth, you're lying. So my my personal favorite uh, book of the Bible is Job. Because, I mean, let's face it, if you're having a hard time in life, <laughs> you can read Job and go, eh, it's not that bad. <laughs> I could be him, Um, but what my actual favorite part of it is, is if if you know anybody who is of Irish descent, um, we can be pretty sarcastic, and Job, the book, is full of sarcasm, right, full of it, Paul uses sarcasm a lot, and so for me, that's kind of hope that God's okay with my sarcasm, right, He's, he's okay with that. How do we know that? Well, in verses 30 and 34, so we're going to jump ahead. And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, I love this, this is the sarcasm. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Paul's saying, hey, if the resurrection didn't happen, eat, drink, and be merry. Let's have some fun. He's being sarcastic. And we know that because of the very next thing he says. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Why would I fight beasts? Why would would men die? And women give up their lives, everything they have, everything they, they, they are, to follow this guy. If it wasn't real, if it wasn't true, if he really wasn't raised from the dead, why would I be doing this? What is there to gain? Paul, Paul in the first part says, me of all people, he hunted and, and killed Christians. If, if there was no truth in the resurrection and the promises of Christ, why do it? Just eat, drink, and be merry. I think some of us are doing that already. Um, Anyway, um, what I love about this part, this is the sarcasm, is is that that, that Paul presents his his sarcasm. They know him. They know what he's talking about. And then he's going to bring it home with conviction, right? Christ doesn't condemn us. He convicts us. Paul's doing the same thing. He's not condemning the Corinthians for their teaching, for the most part, (laughs) He's going to convict them. Say, if you go on doing what you're doing, you're lying. That should hurt. He says, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Be careful of who you associate with. If you are young in your faith, if you are weak in your faith, if you're going through some struggles in your faith, if you're immature in your faith, Be discipled. Find somebody to disciple you whose faith is strong, who's mature. They know the verses in the Bible that that can speak to you. They know scripture. They know the truth. Be careful who you associate with because you can be pulled back the other way so easily. In Paul's letter in Timothy and Titus, he says, if you're going to be a pastor, elder, overseer, deacon, you cannot be a new believer. Not because you've got to have some amazing knowledge, but because of your faith has to be strong enough to weather the storms that are coming so if that's don't go on sinning if your if your faith is weak or stick with people whose faith is strong and learn from them be discipled by them paul's serious though he says don't go on sinning very strongly stop sinning is he calling us to be perfect I, for one, hope not, but um, no, he's not. He's saying, stop sinning, stop. When church, when you leave those doors, stop looking just like the world. That's what he's saying. Because the Corinthians, again, first and second Americans, not necessarily first and second Corinthians, the American church, when you walk out that door, do do you look like this? Do you talk like this? Do you act like this? I'm not saying we have to be perfect. Nobody is. But if you go out those doors and you continue on sending and endorse sin, embrace sin, Paul is saying, shame on you. Shame on us. That's a serious, he's leveling a serious accusation. Shame on us. Because if we go out there, we preach anything but the truth, especially about Christ's resurrection, we are lying about God. And he takes that very seriously. We need to go out there and tell people the truth of the resurrection as the reason for the hope within us. 1 Peter 3.15. Be prepared to share that and share the truth. Is everyone going to accept it? No. It's not your job. Share the truth. Live the truth. All right, so point number one, why did he write this particular section of the letter? Point number two, uh, the resurrection is, is not insignificant. It's very significant. You Corinthians are getting it very wrong. Point number three, what's in it for us? Why is, what's in the resurrection? What is, what is there for us in that? Verses 50 through 58. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. Paul is saying right here, if you don't really get this at first, that's okay. It's a mystery, right? He's saying perishable bodies cannot inherit the imperishable heaven. We, we can't. We can't get there. The good news is we are not... Uh, I think it was R.C. Sproul who said, We are not bodies with souls. We are souls in a body. The soul goes on forever if you follow Christ. The body, it's going to die. We know that. No matter what medical science does, the maximum with the oldest person right now is about 120. Regardless of how advanced medical science gets, that is what it is. We're going to die. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself in the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This last verse, 58, wraps up the entire first letter to the Corinthians. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm... On the truth. Let nothing move you. Don't let the world, don't let society stand firm. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What's in it for us? Without Christ's resurrection, we have no hope in our salvation. Without his resurrection, there is no hope of eternal life. The resurrection is absolute proof of his dominion over death. So many people fear death. It really is like the worst thing anybody can do to you is kill you. Jesus is saying, I got that. No big deal. His resurrection is our proof of eternal life. Paul is saying he was raised... We will be too, exactly the same way. New body, no more pain, no more aging. I hope we still get to eat. (laughs) In his resurrection, we do not labor in vain. We share in the truth of the gospel. In his resurrection, we overcome the sting of death and we will be raised into bodily, eternal lives with him. I'm gonna invite the band out. And as I wrap up, I'm gonna ask you a question. And this may seem like a silly question, it may seem like a complete nonsensical question. Do you want to live forever with Christ? I don't wanna live forever like this, no. But do you want to live forever with Christ? Because I know there's some of you in here right now who got dragged here by a friend, a family member, a spouse, and you don't want to be here. I know that. I know some of you in here are here because of tradition. This is what we do between football games on Sundays. Right? We know that. Some of you in here have no idea why you came. You don't know. There was just something pulling on you, saying, I think I'm going to go to church. I don't know why. I haven't been in years, months. I think I'm going to go to church. Folks, I'm going to tell you, that right there is the Holy Spirit pulling on you. That is Jesus saying, I love you. I died for you. Please come back. You don't have to work up these steps of goodness until you can come in my doors You don't have to be perfect before I love you. I love you just the way you are. In fact, you can't be perfect before you come back to me. It's impossible. We have no idea what tomorrow brings. We don't know what the next minute brings. And if your answer to that question, do you wanna live forever in Christ, was yes, and you haven't made the choice to accept him as lord and savior today is that day now is that time because i know there's some of you out there who are saying well maybe at the next sermon i'll hear the thing that that pushes me over maybe if i maybe if i read that one book not the bible but you know that one book by that one guy maybe if i take a class it'll all begin to make sense to me and and then i can then i can then i can give my life over maybe if 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 I read somewhere in here that he's okay with my sin the way it is, then I'll come back to Christ. Folks, we don't know what tomorrow brings. And if I stand up here preaching and believing in for the rest of my life the message of Jesus, I accept him as my Lord and Savior and I follow him and I preach about him, I learn about him, I teach about him, and I'm wrong. And he was just some guy. So what? What's the consequence? If I'm wrong, who cares? I live my life loving other people. But if you're sitting there right now and you don't know and you're saying, you know what? I like my sin. It's comfortable. This this can't be true. Some guy did not raise himself from the dead. That doesn't happen anymore. It does. I don't believe it. If you're sitting there and that's you and you're saying, "If I, I just need to know a little bit more. I tell you, if I'm wrong and skeptics are right, that this is it, this world is all there is, that consequence is eternal. It's an eternal consequence if I'm wrong, if I'm right. That consequence lasts forever. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved Paul doesn't say get your stuff right and you can be saved he doesn't say be a good person you're getting saved here's the truth heaven is not full of good people it's full of forgiven people I'm going to invite the prayer partners to come forward because if you're out there right now and you're struggling you came in here with, with, with some hardness but you're feeling pulled To make that decision and say you know what I want to live forever in paradise the promise of living in paradise forever I want that but I'm scared there are people up front who will be happy to pray with you now I know there are also people here right now who are feeling heavy but you've accepted Christ years ago today whatever it was You've accepted Christ, but you have this this burden, this weight, this, this thing that's holding you down. Come up. Be brave. Get up out of your seat. Be that first one to stand up and say, you know what? I, I need prayer. Because I know there's at least one person here who needs prayer. There's at least one person here who has doubted their faith in Christ. There's at least one person here who here who, who doesn't necessarily believe what I just said as we go into communion at Life Point Church we, we say the only requirement for communion is that you have a relationship with Christ but if you have a relationship with Christ the Bible is clear when we celebrate communion don't bring your burdens don't bring your burdens with you Lay them at the altar of Christ. Lay them at his feet and say, I don't know what to do here. I can't handle this. Take care of this for me. Before you receive communion. There are two sacraments Jesus said to go on celebrating. Baptism and communion. Do communion in remembrance of his death, what he did. We have three stations in the front and three stations in the back. But before you come up, communion as a believer in Jesus Christ, lay your burdens down, lay down your sins, he already knows what's in your heart anyway, he already knows what you're thinking anyway. Come up here and pray with one of our prayer partners, our pastors, our elders, a friend. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, so much for your word that you loved us so much that you gave us your son as a sacrifice because there's nothing we can do to be good enough. Thank you so much for the beauty in the sunrise and, and every breath we get to take on this earth. And thank you for the promise of paradise if all we have to do is say yes. Amazing, amazing and mighty God. So mighty so that death has no hold on you. You say it means nothing. You sent your son to die and conquer the grave. In Jesus' name, amen. This time again, we have stations in the front, stations in the back. Uh, go ahead and uh, we'll share community together.